so beautiful father we thank you that just as you are you have made us live father we thank you that because you live we shall also live we thank you that because you live we can face the moon we thank you that because you live the life is worth a living we thank you for grace that we do not miss you in this year beyond we thank you for ideas lord billion dollar ideas ideas in every aspect of our lives in our relationship in our finances in our career in our business in our health father we thank you for the grace to cast away every spirit of a little sleep a little slumber a little folding of the arms father we thank you for grace to be bold we thank you that we have become restless and every yoke over our necks are broken we thank you for every good thing that we have in because of Jesus we pray that may Christ alone be exalted in our discussion tonight in the name of our Lord Jesus amen well gradually the year is 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 running <laughs> and we want to really thank God for qualifying us to see another day to see another opportunity to see another week and we have finished the our mostly our first series we do in the year which is six prayers that God wants us to pray not just once not just occasionally but consistently so as I was preparing for that God gave us this series that he wants to tackle next it's a, it's going to be a short series hopefully no more than two parts and I want to title this one what does God expect in return what does God expect in return you know it's interesting how we are so just conscious of ourselves so in our work with god is all about how god can bless us is all about how god can heal us or how god should heal us is all about what god should do for us as if he has not even done enough how many times do we sit down to ask god that god what do you expect from us because we have laid upon our, our expectation that we have from god for this year we have told God that God we do not want to miss our expectation that he should give us ideas in our careers he should give us ideas those of us in, in tech those of us in technology those of us in um architecture in every place you find yourself those of us in a relationship we need ideas those of us married we need ideas in our health we need ideas we have asked God that he should also give us grace to pay the price that our dream demands we have asked, we have asked of God to give us bonus we have asked of God many things but the issue is that as we all know communication is supposed to be one person speaks another listen and the other speaks then the other listens so we have always been putting requests to god but this time we want to ask god god what do you expect from us to do because you are the god here you are the father here it's it is our fulfillment to do your will and in attempting this question jesus gave us the answer in what is traditionally called the parable Can you guess <laughs> the parable of the talents the parable of the talents NIV puts it in a very nice way NIV says 
the parable of the bags of gold. The parable of the bags of gold. And as I was just preparing for this, I just took the liberty to look at several um, titles people have had when they are preaching on the parable of the talent. And I was quite intrigued. There are about 20 titles online. And the one I really loved, which I nearly used, was um, use it or you lose it. So use it or lose it. Some also call it the parable of stewardship. Some call it how to be a good and faithful servant. But from the angle we want to address or we want to look at the parable, we want to give it a title, What Does God Expect in Return? Now, the common thing about this parable is that people have it that the parable is about investment. But let's go to the scripture. We'll be reading basically the ones we read, King James and NIV. Hopefully next week when we are looking at the part two, we will like, we'll use the message because how the message puts it is very interesting. So this parable is found in both Matthew and Luke. Matthew and Luke. But we'll be focusing on Matthew's account. Luke's account adds some things that Matthew did not add and vice versa. But we'll be looking at it from Matthew's perspective. So that is Matthew chapter 25, the verses 14 to 13. We shall start with the King James Version or the King James rendering. And I read, For the kingdom of heaven, for the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country who called his servants and delivered unto them his goods. And unto one he gave five talents, to another he gave two, and to another one, to every man according to his several ability. And straight away he took his journey. Then he that received five talents went and traded with the same, and made them other five talents. And likewise, he that received two, he also gained other two. But he that received one went and digged in the earth, and hid his lord's money. After a long time, the lord of the servants came, coming, and reckoned with them. And so he that had received five talents came and brought other five talents, saying, Lord, Thou hast delivered me five talents. Behold, I have gained besides them five talents more. His Lord said, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over few things. I will put thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. May this be our recommendation, our testimony. The verse 22. He also that had received two talents came and said, Lord, thou deliverest unto me two talents. Behold, I have gained two other talents beside them. His Lord said unto him, Well done, good and faithful servant. Thou have been faithful over few things. I will make thee a ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. So verse 24. Then he which had received one talent came and said, Lord, I knew thee that thou art a hard man. <laughs> Repeat where thou hast not sown and gathering where thou hast not strode. And I was afraid, and went and hid my talents in the earth. And lo, there thou hast that is thine. Verse 26, And the Lord said, and the Lord answered and said unto him, Thou wicked and slothful servant, may God never say this about our lives in Jesus' name, thou knowest that I reap where I have not sown, and gathered where I have not strode. Thou oughtest therefore to have put my money to the exchanges, and then at my coming, I should have received money owned with unsuring. Take therefore the talent from him and give it 
unto him that hath ten talents. For unto every one that hath shall be given, and he shall receive abundance. But from him that does not hath shall be taken away even that which he hath. And the last verse, verse 30. And cast ye the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of feet. Wow. So on the surface, it looks like it's a parable about investing. Because even the, the master said that, Why didn't you put my money to the exchanges? So that when I return, I can get my money with interest. But let's just quickly look at the NIV's rendering of the parable, which I said the parable or NIV renders it, the parable of the bag of gold. So verse 14, again, it will be like a man going onto a journey who called the servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his way, on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one who had two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole and put it in the ground and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where thou hast not sown and gathering where thou hast not scattered. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. The master replied, You wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gathered where I have not scattered seeds. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I return, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 bags. For who, for whoever has will be given more and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even that which he has will be taken away from him. And throw that worthless servant outside into darkness, where there will be weeping and the gnashing of teeth. May God bless the reading of the word. As I was just reading, I'm afraid that uh, the series will go beyond two episodes. But let's see what we can learn from it. So yes, on the surface, it looks like it's a parable about investing. But then if you take notes and we'll be perusing basically from the King James Version. If you take note of the verse 14, he said, For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling. So uh, the most common way that for the kingdom of heaven can be likened to a man traveling. So in context, Jesus was talking about the kingdom of heaven. He wasn't talking about investment. It does not mean that you cannot apply the principles in the story to investment. It doesn't mean that. But I'm saying in the direct context, what Jesus was talking about was about how life in the kingdom is. 
So even though the truth and the principle from this story or from this parable can be extrapolated into investment, into every aspect of our life, the main focus was about how life in the kingdom is. So for tonight, we just want to take a, a, a background to or some things to note. Then we look at the first two servants. Hopefully next week we'll look at the last servant. So Jesus was talking about the kingdom. That's the first thing I want us to appreciate. The second thing I want us to appreciate is that the Bible says that it was about, or it can be likened to a man who was traveling into a far country. He called his own servants. This is the first thing. The servants were his servants. He did not go and call another man's servants. And what did he do? He gave them or he delivered unto them his goods. So what the servants had were not theirs, but for the master. And of course, I hope we knew that in this context, the master is referring to God and we are his servants. So in context, God gave us Jesus. And Jesus, when he was living in Acts, as he was ascending into the sky, he told his disciples something. And as he was going, the angels came and like, why are you looking at him? For the same way he's going up, the same way he'll come down. So God made a deposit or God made deposits in our life. But the issue is that these deposits are not for us, but they are God's deposits. That is why I'm sure I've said on this podcast several that all that we have and all that we are is God's. This is very simple, yet is the foundational reason for Christianity. Is the foundation that we should live our lives on. And unfortunately, we are not. That is why for many of us, even though we claim that Jesus is the Lord over our lives, in reality, he is not the Lord over our lives. We are the Lord over our lives. But we are not talking about our life today. But we are talking about the things he has given us, which, of course, life is past. So God has given us some things. The first thing is that you yourself will belong to God. Remember, he said he called his own servants. So the servants themselves were not their own. They belonged to the master. So you belong to the master. The second thing is that what you have belongs to the master. And we should appreciate what we are studying in the context of what we have prayed. We have prayed to God to give us ideas. We have prayed to God to give us energy, to give us um, grace not to be lazy. We have prayed to God to give us boldness. And we have been praying several things. We pray for, we pray to God to take me to school, to pay your school fees. You pray for a beloved, you pray for a car, whatever you pray for. One, you should realize that you yourself, you are not your own. The second thing that is very important for us to realize is that even though we are holding or we are in possession of what we have, we are not the owners of what we have. And King James uses the word talent. NIV is the word um, gold. In fact, the newer versions, they are amplified in the message. They use the word dollars. So I like the, 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 the amplified. It says that the master gave one $5,000, another one $2,000, another one $1,000, or $1,000. So whether they are gold <laughs> or they are dollars or they are talents, it is a gift from God or a gift from the master. And if I'm to give it a particular word in our contemporary time, if I should say, or in our dispensation, I'll use the word grace. Because grace is what God has given to us. To me, I like to define grace as God's help to us. So God has helped us by giving you something. So whether you want to use the word talent, you want to use the word gold, you want to use the word um, 
anything, the most important thing that whatever that thing is, is from God. It's God that has given it to you. But the interesting thing is this. You know that he gave it to them according to their own ability. But I want to just skip to the verse um, 15, the B part. Well, let's just read the verse 15 again. And unto one he gave five talents, to another he gave two, to another he gave one, to every man according to his own ability. Of course, we have to discuss that. But this is the second or the third thing I want us to take note. Is that and straight away he took his journey. When the master gave the talents to these three servants, according to Matthew's account, he did not give them any instruction. If you look at Luke's account, because Luke also records this parable in Luke 19, the verse 11 to verse 27. But we are looking at Matthew's account. In Luke's account, after the master gave them these talents of gold or money, he said, occupy till I come. But in Matthew's account, when he gave them these talents, he did not give any instruction. The Bible said immediately he gave them these talents, he went on his journey. But for some reason, the master knew that these servants knew what they were supposed to do with the money or with the talents or with the gold. But he didn't give them any instruction. And I find that very interesting because God is letting us know that the mere fact that God has given you something, God has communicated something to you. You know, we have, I think I've also said on the platform that communication just goes beyond words. In fact, deeper communications are non-verbal communications. And since we are in the Valentine month, <laughs> I always tell people that never get to, or you can never get to know somebody over a phone call or over WhatsApp messages or chats. It's never a good way to build a foundation to a relationship. Because phone conversation robs you of many non-verbal communications that the person will be giving to you beyond words. In fact, you all know this. Imagine you go to, when, when we're in university, imagine you go to a room, a, a room, maybe a lady's room if you're a guy, and the person you're going to visit welcomes you with a smile and if possibly a hug. Automatically, the lady has not said anything, but her gesture is communicating that she's happy to see you. And if, unfortunately, you have been on the other side of the radar where the person was not happy to see you, some of us, if you're unfortunate, <laughs> they will send their roommates and they will shout from the, from inside the room and say, please, she is not around. Or sometimes the person herself may tell you she's not around. I hope you never fell victim to that. But then the amount of communications people would give to you that are non-verbal but are very important. If you go to an office and the secretary welcomes you with a smile, she may not have said anything, but the smile lets you know that she's appreciating your presence. She's not bothered by your presence. And in Ghana, this is one thing that many of us don't have, and I think I talked about it when we were doing our prayers, that you can go to a shop and the person is angry that they're coming to buy something just from the person's facial expression. So there are many non-verbal communications that are very, very important. Imagine you, are, you go and visit your boo and your bae, and the person spends the whole time pressing the phone or doing anything, and maybe the person is cleaning and the person is shouting, hey, Godo, how are you? Even though the person is communicating verbally with you, the person's non-verbal communication is letting you know that either you are a nuisance or you are bothering the person. So by the mere fact that the master gave his servants talents, indirectly he's communicating to them something. And this is very important because for many of us, we are looking at what does God expect in return. 
the only way you know what God is expecting in return is by knowing what God has given to you. So if God has given you a footballing ability, God is not going to expect a basketball returns. If God has given you a basketball ability, God is not going to expect a hockey return. So just by the communication of God giving you particular talents, indirectly he's telling you what you are made for or what he has brought you here for. So sometimes you may go to God, God, what is my purpose? Or God, what do you want me to do? Or God, I don't know what you say, God, but basically, God, what do you have for me to do? God may not answer you the way you would want. He may not open the skies and tell you that, my beloved daughter, I want you to be the CEO of Dollar Limited. God may not tell you that. But the way God would answer you is by giving you certain abilities, certain talents, certain skills, certain graces. And by the mere presence of those graces, God has answered your prayer. God has communicated to you. So the Bible said that he gave this talent, he gave the, the talents to the servants and immediately he left on the journey. He did not give any instruction because the giving of the talent in itself is a communication. And I found that to be very, very interesting. And as we are looking on, you will appreciate this. And then the preceding sentence that he gave them all according to their abilities. And I believe you have, I'm sure if you have been in the Christian circles for a while, you would have heard this thing. So I wouldn't want to um, go back on it. But then what I want us to appreciate is that God deals with us on individual basis. God does not generalize us or God is dealing with us they may have some generality, of course. Because so in this instance, what's the generality? The generality that we are all servants. That's what is general. But then to one, he gave five. To one, he gave two. To one, he gave one. Just that act of God giving one, five, two, and one, yet again, is another communication. And what is the communication? The communication is that God deals with you on individual basis. That's one, two. God deals with you based on the abilities that he himself has given you. God is the one who designed you. So if I'm the inventor of a car, I know the expectations I should have on the car. Hence, I know what I would put in the car. So if I design the car to move on road, I am not going to put features in the car to make the car fly, unless maybe I'm making a flying car. So the master is aware of the abilities of the servants. And at the end of the story, you will know that the master was very right because the person he gave one indeed showed that he deserved one talent. But let me not go ahead of myself. That guy is a whole study and hopefully next week we will peruse that guy's life. But it's important that we understand this thing. And the third thing that from this ability that we should understand is that our master or God is not an irresponsible person. God is never going to give you something that he knows that he has not equipped you to handle. God is not going to give you anything to do that is beyond your ability. God is not going to put you in any situation that will know would break you. So Paul tells us in Corinthians that every temptation that comes your way is that which is common to man. For with every temptation, God has given you an escape route or God has given you the ability to withstand. And this truth 
does not just stand for temptation. It stands for our dealing with God. So every instruction that God has given you, he knows you are well equipped to handle it. So as we are praying for ideas, as for me, I'm downloading ideas like free Wi-Fi. <laughs> and sometimes, not sometimes, these ideas be scary. But one thing you should appreciate that we are not dealing with an irresponsible master who doesn't know my capabilities, who doesn't know the features he has enabled me to do. So for every dream and every vision and every idea that God has given to you, he has given it to you according to your abilities. And later on, we will know that you can increase your ability. Let me just give you a flashback. Because we know that the guy who was given five, later on, the master took the one from the other guy and gave it to him. So meaning that the guy who had five, now he has increased his ability to take in six. But let me just, let me go ahead. I, I really find it interesting. So we should really appreciate this. And the last thing that we should appreciate from according to our own ability, which I'm sure you have heard before, is that you are not nobody else or no other human being can be your standard. Nobody else can be your standard. Nobody else are you supposed to compare your life with. I'm sure you know this already, so I would want to emphasize on it. But it's very important that we appreciate this. But then I find that many of us, we stretch this truth. So truth is a very narrow path. If you stretch it a bit, it's no longer truth. Some of us, we are indulging our laziness. And if you should ask the person, please, this is my personal dealing with God. So please don't come and intrude. Of course, we will intrude. But as we keep studying, we will know that even though God gave different abilities, the expectations he had in a general sense were the same. But let me not go ahead of myself. But then you should appreciate that you cannot compare yourself to each another person. So what God has given you, that is what you are supposed to focus on and be obsessed about. You know, I had an interview of Pep Guardiola. Some say he's the greatest football manager of all time. He's a very great manager, but I, I just don't like him. So I won't acknowledge him <laughs> as the greatest manager of all time. And I think when he came to Manchester City his first season, you know, he just came and his team were full of old people and he had to just manage them through the end of the season. But I heard in an interview, they asked him that, does he always come to a match? Um, they asked him something and his response was like, he never goes, he never has a plan B. He says he never has a plan B. He only has a plan A. And I find that to be interesting because mostly we hear in quotes, motivational speakers, they'll tell you if plan A doesn't work, go to plan B. Madness is doing the same thing, the same way and expecting different results. But he made something interesting. He says if plan A does not work, he's not going to a plan B because he doesn't have a plan B. But he's rather going to perfect plan A. So plan A should work. The only difference is that it needs perfection. That's according to Pep Guardiola. And for a man that has the results he has produced, I think there's some wisdom in it. Because let me tell you, wisdom beats all philosophy. Results beats all philosophy. So you may not agree with his method, but you cannot deny his results. So the issue is that his plan A may not work. It doesn't mean that he needs a plan B. All it means that he needs to perfect his plan A. So his whole coaching philosophy is all about perfecting his plan A. He never goes into a team generally, generally. 
he never goes into a team focusing on the opponent, but he rather goes into a team perfecting his style of play. So whether he's in Barcelona, whether he's in Bayern Munich, whether he's in um, Manchester City, his style of play is generally the same. Of course, there will be variations, but on the fundamental level, his style of play is the same because he's investing all he has in perfecting his plan A. And I realized that one of the reasons why many of us are not able to use the talents that God has given to us is because we are so obsessed about what other people are doing. That is why we have become a social media generation. Because we are always interested in how is this person spending his valentine? How did this person spend a birthday? How did this person spend a graduation? We are always looking about or looking over our shoulder to know what the other person is doing. And because of that, we are not obsessed about exploiting what God has given to us. Because let me tell you, the talent that God has given to you, it demands 100% attention. 99 is not enough. 99 cannot be enough. You need to focus on the race that has been set before you. But look at us. When somebody is celebrating the baby, we are so eager to go to the person's status. Hey, where did the person go? To? Hey, where did you go? To? Hey, where did you do this? Hey, where did you do that? Hey, where did you do that? Look at us on social media. We are always looking at people that some people have called them as celebrities. <laughs> we are always obsessed about the person's this. Hey, what did the person wear? What's the person? And you know, we even do it. If you are invited for a program, we have all we have all been victims of this. As well, the ladies. I heard that when guys are going for a program, the first and the only question we ask is, will there be food? As for the ladies, the question they ask is, what will I wear? And I realized that even in what they wear, mostly they like to ask, Charlie, what is somebody wearing? So mostly, if you are going late for a program, you call someone who's already there, Charlie, how make a shadow? Like, what are people wearing? So that I also know how I would also dress. And as little as trivial as this may seem, it is what cuts across in every aspect of our life. We are always obsessed about what the other person has. Instead of focusing on what you have, you are always obsessed about their gifts, about their skills. That is why many of us, we have not discovered our own talents. Because we look at ourselves and we don't have the... The, the singing ability of this, the dancing ability of that, the writing ability of this, the, the personality of this, the persona of this. But you have a talent. You have a talent. Instead of looking in your hands, you are rather looking in someone's hands. But then, as I said, these things should not be extrapolated. Because sometimes, too, it's good to look at what other people are doing. It's one way we can stir each other up onto good works. You know, Paul, the writer of Hebrews says, stir each other up onto good works, onto good works. So sometimes when you see the way people are exploiting their talents, it should ginger you enough in a positive sense to let you know, Atali, I can't be darling, no darling. I must also arise and do something. That is when you are being stirred up in a positive sense. But most of us, we are stirred up to jealousy. We are stirred up to envy. We are stirred up to, to, to hate somebody for no reason. Instead of us seeing somebody exploiting his talent and looking at ourselves and saying, ah, if this person can do, can use the talent, me too, I can use my talent. That's the way we should rather look at people. But unfortunately, we are looking at people with an evil eye. Straight away, 
the master went on a long journey. This is just introduction. We have not started a parable. The second, or not the second, I forgot the point I am on. <laughs> I think point five or so. The interesting thing is that the Bible says that this master went on a long journey. I don't want us to focus on the servants yet. We want to focus on the surrounding and the master. He went on a long journey. But no matter how long his journey was, the master came back. And honey, I came to tell you, just in case you have been caught up with the flow of the world, the master is going to come back. It may be a long journey he has gone. People make mock that even if Jesus was using a wheelbarrow to come from heaven, at least in 2,000 years, then you should have reached. It is been 2,000 years. If you look at the Bible, they were like the first century Christians. See the way they wrote, the master is coming soon. Be patient. James says, be patient for the coming of our God. That was like 2,000 years ago. And occasionally you hear somebody, maybe in school, somebody have a scary dream that rapture is happening, blah, blah, blah. Yes, oh, we heard that. It has been 20 years. When we were in primary school, we heard those things. Even if it takes a billion or a gazillion years, it does not change the reality that even though our master has gone on a long journey, our master would come again. He's coming again to take an account of something. So the Bible said that just as in the days of Noah and the days of Lot, when people were married, so in the days of Lot, they were marrying and giving into marriage. In the days of Noah, they were eating and drinking. And everything seems to go on where life was moving on. In the midst of the normality of life, Noah had entered the ark and the rains began to drop. In the midst of the normality of Sodom and Gomorrah, Lot and his wife and his family had left Sodom and Gomorrah. Then fire came. In the midst of us being eager to set our wedding dates, in the midst of us praying for a baby, in the midst of us looking for a good job, in the midst of us pursuing our degrees, in the midst of us looking for a beloved, our master can come. Never trivialize this truth. Never trivialize this truth. Our master has gone on a long, and I like the way Jesus said, he went on a far journey. He acknowledged that the journey is far. But no matter how far the journey is, honey, our master is going to come back again. I really, I'm really praying to God that we appreciate these truths that we are studying or that we have been studying on this podcast. What does God expect in return? We just want to briefly end, uh, briefly end looking at the first two servants. So in the verse, um, in the verse... 16. The Bible said, He that received the five talents went and traded with the same and made five more. Likewise, he that received the two also gained two more. I do I, I really want us to appreciate so I'm thinking about that. So when, as I said earlier on, when the master gave the talents, he did not tell them what to do. But the Bible says immediately the master gave the talents, he went on a far journey. And the next verse in the verse 6 said, Immediately or straight away, the one with the five talents went to work. The one with the two talents went to work. And I asked myself, What crime did the one talent do? He he went to keep the talent. How can that be a crime? Eh? If somebody has said that I'm traveling, keep my car for me, and I'm going to lock the car in some garage. How can that be a crime? And hopefully next week's episode, we'll peruse that guy 
But the interesting thing about the first two servants is that immediately they received their talents, they went to work. What does God expect from us in return? Immediately you receive your talent, get to work. I wish I could shout it in your ears. <laughs> Immediately you receive your talent, get to work. And I say it again for the last time. Immediately you receive your talent, get to work. Because let me tell you, each and every passing day that you refuse to work, it becomes more difficult to get to work. It's like education. It's like maybe if you say education or masters. The easiest time to do your masters or to do something was yesterday. But you cannot go back to yesterday, so start today. You know, I was talking to a friend who is in a relationship or who, yeah, who is in a relationship. And she started dating after, I think, after national service. Even though the guy was, the guy is a good guy, God fearing, according to her, the guy is not going the extra mile, <laughs> according to her. And that was after national service. And she kept coming, she complained, and said, what make her do? I've told the guy, but he says me, that's the way I am, blah, blah, blah. And actually, it's just that. Media, you can't ask me this question. This is oh, she'll be there. Then maybe a year, not maybe around a year after, she comes Charlie. I want to break up with him. Even though he's good, he's scary and all those things. It's like she doesn't want to go the extra. I'm asking to do something and it has to discomfort him. She doesn't want to do it. I'm like ah, sister, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. ways. Decide on what you want to do. If you want to break up, breaking up a year ago was easier than breaking up now. It's okay. You, I'll think about it, I'll think about it. Two years after, she comes back again with the same scenario. I'm like, sister, why are you delaying? And now she says, hey, Sam, it's not easy. I said, it can never be easy. What is the case? Huh? Now the guy has gone to see the lady's parents. So nowadays, like, the thing is becoming more serious. And I told her that, Mama, the easiest time to break up if you wanted to was when you knew about it or when you were not sure about the gentleman and you thought that Charlie he's not the one you were praying for but as the days are going by as the months are going by it's becoming more difficult because you are also growing so breaking up when you're 24 years old is far easier than breaking up when you're 25. The same for when you're 26, 27, 28, 29, 30. But the more you are delaying, the more difficult it is. And if now you're going to see your parents, obviously the next step is what? Fixing a date or whatever. And do you think then it will be easier for you to break up if you want to? And as a typical Ghanaian, <laughs> he said, hmm... You will think about it. I said, please, me, I know this thing there. You won't think about anything. But I really want you to appreciate the fact that it's always easier yesterday than today. And I pray that you would appreciate this thing. That when God gives you the talent, the first day is always the easiest day to do it. Because as the days are going by, is really, really going to become more difficult. 
That is why the first guy with the five talents, immediately he received his talents. He went to work. The second person, immediately he received his talents. He went to work. I just want to end with tonight's episode on this basis. Immediately you receive your talent. Go to work. So obviously from the way things are doing, it's going to look like a three-part series. Next week, God willing, you look at what the two servants or the, the statements the master made about the two servants. Then you focus one whole episode on the last servant. But I really pray that you will not be like my friend who is going to make excuses, who is going to do, hmm, you don't understand. Hmm. Immediately you have received your talent, get to work. This is what the Lord is expecting of us in the year 2022. You have prayed for an idea. The idea has come. Do not downplay the idea. Get to work. You have prayed for an ability. You have asked God, God, me cry, what is my purpose? God is not necessarily going to answer you directly, but he's going to show you what he has given you. And if for you, all that you have, maybe is that you can, I don't know, you can talk well, get to work. If maybe for you, all that you have is your analytical mind, get to work. If for you now, the, 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 the ish job is content creation. <laughs> it's be a content creator. If your your mind is good in coming up with ideas, honey, get to work. Because it's not going to get any clearer. And God is not going to give you any more sign than the sign he has already given to you, which is the talent he has given to you. I want to just end with a particular scripture. Yeah. So I just want, we just want to end even as we look at this scripture in Ezra chapter 6 verse 14. I found this scripture very interesting. One of my main scriptures for this year. Ezra 6 verse 14. And it says, And the elders of the Jews built and they prospered through the prophesying of Haggai the prophet and Zachariah the son of Edo. And they built and they finished it according to the commandment of God of Israel. And according to the commandment of Cyrus and Darius, the king of Persia. Let's look at the first part of the verse 14. And the elders of the Jews built and they prospered through the prophesying of Haggai the prophet and Zachariah the son of Edo. And they built and they finished the work. The prophecies that God has released into your life, 31st night, you are receiving prophecies. What is God expecting of you after you have loaded prophecies upon your head is to start to build whatever dream he has given to you. It's to start for you to work. And the Bible said they built and they prospered through the prophesying, the words that God has given to you. I'm sure you have loaded prophecies on your head. Every day you go to church, the benediction, their prophecies, the man of God, your minister speaks over your life, their prophecies. These are things that God is giving to you. So when God says that, or when, when the man of God says, the favor of Lord be upon your life, the favor is not meant for you to admire. 
the favor is for you to work with it. Whenever there's a prophecy in, in, in Timothy, Paul told Timothy that according to the prophecies that have gone ahead of you, that thou mightest wage a good warfare, what does God expect of you is for you to work. So in Nehemiah, after Nehemiah received the burden that the walls of Jerusalem were broken down, he prayed. But that is where most of us, especially Ghanaians, we do. And next week or next two weeks, when we are looking at the 10 servants, you look at it, we end at the prayer point. The end is not supposed to be in the prayer room. The Bible said that after he prayed, the next chapter, and he prayed for favor, the next chapter, he had gone to see the king and favor was upon him so the king granted him permission and immediately he received the permission he went to jerusalem and immediately he went he gathered some people and he started to do a surveillance of the land he started to evaluate the conditions and one day we look at nehemiah's strategy in building very wonderful immediately that happened nehemiah got to work nehemiah did not go and sit down and start calculating the cost and start making all sorts of extrapolations because listen the more you try and sit down and rationalize the talent that God has given to you, the more you may discourage yourself and bury your talent. Immediately God gives you the talent, get to work. And again, I'm saying, what is God expecting of you is that all the things you have prayed for, all the prophecies you have received, all the abilities that God has given to you, he's expecting you to work with it. And when is the time for you to work? The time is now. Shall we spend some time in prayer? We just want to speak to God. Father, may I see the abilities you have given to me. Every spirit that is making me to focus on what other people have. Hence, I'm not seeing what is in my hands. Father, I pray that you will cure me from this sickness. You will cure me from this attitude. You will cure me from this mindset. You will cure me from this lifestyle. I pray for grace that I would focus on the two talents, on the five talents, on the one talent you have given me. I pray for grace that I would exploit the abilities you have given to me, that I would run the race that has been set before me. I'll be focused on what is ahead of me. I pray for grace no longer to sit down, but to arise and work. The Bible says that and they prospered according to the prophesies, according to the declarations over their life they built and they finished it whatever talent whatever ability that god has given to us father we pray for grace that we would arise and work nehemiah said let us arise and build the word that god has given to you the abilities that god has given to you the access that god has given to you the beauty that god has given to you the eloquence that god has given to you the administrative skills that god has given to you the organizing ability that God has given to you, that friendly persona that God has given to you, that attention to details that God has given to you, that attentive, that retentive memory that God has given to you, that ability to always be cheerful that God has given to you, whatever talent that God has given to you, may you begin to recognize it. And most importantly, whenever you recognize it, may you begin to work. And straight away, he went and he worked. Straight away, that he did this, he went and he traded it. I will pray for grace that he would arise and work. In the year 2022, no more analyzing, no more calculating. We 
we are recognizing and we are working. Immediately we discover a talent, we are using it. Immediately we discover an access door, we are using it. Immediately we discover an ability, we are using it. Because this is what the master is expecting of us to arise and work in the name of our Lord Jesus. Father, every attitude in us that is going to be a trans from us working. Father, we pray for your mercy. We pray for your grace. We pray for your help to overcome. And we know that you have given us abilities. You have given us talents according to our abilities. Thank you that you not bring us talentless. And thank you that you deal with us on an individual basis. The songwriter says that he's dealing with us one-on-one. Thank you for knowing our names. Thank you for paying attention to us. Thank you for noticing us. And thank you for dying for us. In the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen. Thank you for being with us. And I hope that you are enjoying the word of God. I hope that you are putting them into practice. And as long as remember that you are giving God our very best. We are working and we are making sure that we owe no man nothing but love. See you next week as we peruse the first two servants. Bye-bye.